Oh, hang on. Do you have the thing up? What thing? Yeah, yeah. The chapter? Yeah. Oh, I see. I see your cursor. Hello, and welcome to week four and also chapter four of Romantic Underpinnings, the collaborative romance novel writing podcast. Um, <laughs> I am your host, Andrew, and with me is... Co-host. Oh, yes. He's no. the only host in the universe, guys. <laughs> I, I think that we're both, both the host. Anyway, that is Ashton, my fellow host. And... Um, so in this podcast, we are taking turns writing chapters in a historical romance novel. Um, she is writing from the perspective of the hero. I am writing from the perspective of the heroine. Um, her hero is a honorable uh, young man of seemingly rather murky um, origins. There were some hints in chapter three that he his his humble beginnings were not all that they seemed. Um, I might be reading too much into that. Yeah, I think you're doing a little bit too much work there. Okay, so he just has normal, humble origins, and um, he had been sailing on a semi-legitimate ship that sometimes did some sort of piracy or smuggling or naughty stuff, and his captain (laughs) and mentor has passed away, and uh, he finds himself embroiled in some intrigue with King William I of England in... Oh, not William I... What am I talking we about? We cannot get this right for no. whatever reason. Okay, you know, I was only two Williams off. It's William the Third of England of William and Mary fame. Uh, the book is taking place in like the, uh, I think around 1690, 1691. We might have an official stance on that. <laughs> um, and anyway, my heroine, um, the memorably named uh, Agatha Van Horn, is a... A Dutch woman who spent much of her life growing up on the colonies and left the left Suriname in disgrace and um, found herself semi shackled to the court of uh, of King William, uh, who of course is Dutch as everyone knows. And um, everyone knows he's they, Dutch. Yes. No. I, I know. I wish people would stop talking to stop me about that. Th- right. Um, <laughs> and when she sees our hero anthony um leaving the court uh presumably on some secret mission from the king she sees him as a possible ticket out so uh she has followed him to the body house where he has been staying um gathering his his uh strength to set off on his new clandestine mission with the king and um at the end of chapter three ashton's chapter he had heard a clattering noise in the body house and has gone down to investigate. But now Ashton is here to read chapter four, which I have written to catch us up on what Agatha has been doing. Agatha, sexiest name ever still. Again, some more. I'm seriously going to have to give her some sort of weird nickname. Good luck. (laughs) Gutha, just like skip the the first A or some shit. Okay. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. The men's breeches felt constrictive on Agatha's hips, but she hoped that her constricted gait made her disguise more convincing. The clerk at the clothing store had been surprised at her desire to exchange her fine dress and bonnet for sailor's garb. Agatha came away with a set of almost-fitting clothes and a few precious coins that she netted in the exchange. 
the noise, crowds, and especially smells of disreputable of the disreputable London docklands. Docklands, really? That's a term that That's I've a, read in books. All right. Almost overwhelmed, Agatha. Luckily, the passing crowds of sailors, drunks, and drunken sailors now paid far less attention to her than they had when she looked like a courtier. Co- co- how do you say that, honey? I mean, if we, we could get fancy, but I think in, in England slash English, people just say courtier. Like, she's courtier than the average person. <laughs> Hardly know her. Uh, she struggled to find her way back to the mysterious sailor's body house as she couldn't seem to bring her eyes up for long without risking a tumble into a ditch of raw sewage. At least she had a plan for what to do once she got there. A kindly looking woman leaned against the frame of the front door. Agatha put on her deepest voice and said, Hello, miss. I find myself in need of hospitality. That's Stala to you. (laughs) Said the woman. <laughs> and what, what, was that just a typo? That is absolutely a Dear typo. Dear listeners, he has typed Stella's name as S-T-A-L-L-A. So it really is Stella. In fact, it's Stella to everyone. We don't get many Dutch sailors here, and the ones we get are usually a great deal taller than you. How old are you, my lad? Do your parents know what kind of hospitality you're seeking? I'm 20, Miss Swe- Stella. Oh, wait, I gotta do the voice. <clears throat> I'm 20, Miss Stella. I swear it on my life. Everyone says I'm short because I grew up in the colonies without access to beef and cheese. Now, hang on. Can you do it in the Dutch accent that she's speaking in? Um, Why don't, why don't you give me a little uh, glimpse of that? No. <laughs> I don't think I can. I, I have no accent work to my name so i'm just gonna read it as though she was you know as though she's an american a from the Midwest. forklift driver in wyoming hey okay. ouch that works a forklift that okay anyway. <laughs> stella smiled our food isn't the best for a growing lad but i think you'll find something to your taste are there any particular qualities you'd like in a young lady i like it when a woman idly tucks her hair behind her ear when she's reading I like secret smiles exchanged over breakfast and a woman who takes the lead when we practice dancing. Okay, well, <laughs> Agatha suspected that she hadn't thought her plan all the way through. You know shit. <laughs> Stella's smile deepened. I know just what kind of lad you are. Would you care to follow me upstairs? Amazed at how effective her clumsy words have proved, Agatha followed the proprietress up a narrow wooden staircase into a lobby on the next floor. Several narrow hallways darted away from the round chamber, which held an array of chairs and card tables inside its cracked red wall. A maid appeared promptly at the sound of Stella's bell. Maisie, we have a code violet. violet. Go fetch Artemisia. Artemisia? Is I mean, that right? Artemisia, Artemisia. I think. Dear listeners, pronouncing words is not my finest characteristic. Why we decided to start this podcast when I can't read aloud is boggles the mind. Anyway, I mean, I think that's her dealer's choice. She might be. I don't know how people would have pronounced that in in the you know sixteen ninety one or whatever. Yeah, but nevertheless, my my uh, I have a lot of talents, and that's not necessarily one of them. <clears throat> okay, as the maid bustled away, Stella turned to Agatha. You came to the right place, my lad. We serve all sorts here, but some of our ladies specialize in serving customers with desires like yours. May I ask how you knew to come here? 
Agatha's felt, Agatha felt roiled by confusion as she met Stella's knowing gaze. <clears throat> I had it recommended to me, she said, deciding to stay as close to the truth as possible. A fellow sailor showed me the way here. A fellow sailor, you say? Stella wrinkled her nose. What's his name? We love to give our customers referral bonuses. I'm not sure, Agatha said. I, well, I overheard him and some fellows talking in a pub. I just know that he's tall and that he has the most astonishingly perfect teeth. Oh, you mean young Anthony. I'm not sure how you ended up at the same pub as the likes of him, but he's a truly wonderful man to keep me in his thoughts like that. Oh, here comes Artemisia. A tall woman in an old-fashioned doublet. Doublet? Just, it's just a doublet. Doublet. Oh, I'm trying to be fancy. And Hose stood at the entrance to one of the corridors. Her men's clothing seemed tailored to accentuate her, little, her lithe curves, and she rounded out the ensemble with a Spanish feathered hat and spurred cavalier boots. She walked over to where Agatha stood, dumbstruck. It's a pleasure to meet you, lad. My name is Artemisia, and it would be my pleasure to keep you company today. Artemisia doffed her hat and gave Agatha an elaborate bow. You look dreadfully fatigued. Please do me the honor of following me to my chamber, while you will find the comfort you seek. Agatha followed on unsteady legs. She had resolved to pump the staff for information about the mysterious sailor from Hampton Court, but the situation was spiraling far beyond her control. The women Agatha strove to deceive seemed to know far more than she herself did. However, Agatha saw no choice but to continue on the path that her impulsive decision laid before her. She could hardly flee back to Hampton Court in men's clothes, and if she backed out now, she could hardly imagine a fate better than being press-ganged into a merchant vessel, or worse, a naval warship. The disheveled sailor that she had pursued had obtained an audience with the king, but Agatha knew from his looks and apparent circumstances that his next mission could hardly be above board. If she could stow away on his ship, the men would have to choose between trusting her with a damaging secret or simply throwing her overboard. She hadn't had enough experience of the world to reliably judge man's character, but she'd known too many men who were completely devoid of it, and her fleeting glimpse of this man promised something different. Once on a ship and in possession of a secret, Agatha could try to parlay these resources into a transatlantic passage and a chance to rescue her mother from boredom and tarper. Tarper? Torper. What's that? Um, I think it's sort of another word for boredom, but with extra listlessness thrown in. Mm. Any further damage she could deal to Dutch colonial adventures in general would be a palpable bonus. First, she had to deal with a striking woman who had just pushed her onto a bed. Artemisia placed her hat at a jaunty angle on the bust of Queen Elizabeth. Seriously, honey, the Why? bust of Queen Elizabeth Why in the not? body house. <laughs> It, it fits. All right. And let her raven hair down from its loose knot. Are you sure it wasn't in a hairnet? <laughs> at this angle, Agatha couldn't help but gop at a surprisingly full codpiece. Don't worry, my dear boy, Artemisia said. I stuff it with the religious pamphlets that saintly local drop locals drop off here to save our souls. Otherwise, it looks floppy and ridiculous. But if you were hoping for something else, I have some delightful accessories. Stella may have told you that we cater to all tastes here. You still look a bit confused, so perhaps I can take the lead for now. She gave 
Agatha's neck, a deep kiss followed by a darting lick. You smell good for a sailor and taste even better. Is there anything you'd like to tell me before I take these clothes off? Agatha musters as much as her shallow breath as she could. That won't be necessary, ma'am. Then she, th she then remembered to lower her voice. <clears throat> I'm very modest and can't bear to have others see me in a state of undress. She could feel blood screaming through her every vein at this unaccustomed physical intimacy, and her neck burned where Artemisia had kissed it. I've been at sea for a long time, and I've been dreaming of touching a woman. Perhaps you can climb off of me? I would endeavor to bring you pleasure. Seriously? Honey? Well, she's trying not to have this I understand, person find but, out. Okay. Oh, it gets so she, much worse. I mean... She, for not having any experience, I'm surprised that this is, like, the first thing she goes to. She's very adventurous. I guess. Artemisia, Artemisia placed her hands on Agatha's shoulders and extended her arms. She met Agatha's imploring gaze with a warm smile and rolled off to the side with vulpine grace. Agatha felt suddenly weightless, taking a deep breath to ensure that her rib cage remained in contact with the bed. She had decided that proving herself as a fervent and appreciated customer would loosen the tongues of the staff at this establishment. But her, her experience with women had never progressed beyond secret smiles over breakfast. She had indeed overheard sailors talking about body houses. Agatha hadn't found the details enticing, at least not as the sailors described things. But she envied the matter-of-fact licentiousness that sailors had acknowledged in one another. Agatha had only been taught about matters of the flesh under layers of pro protocol, coded phrases, and subtle tactics. The illicit affairs that her mother had gossiped about felt even more labyrinth than marriage and procreation. Now she felt paralyzed by the utter lack of ambiguity in Artemisia's demeanor. Artemisia struggled out of her doublet and hose, stopping to sweep a cascade of cheaply printed pamphlets onto the floor. And soon lay... <laughs> Why are you cackling? Sorry, I read my typo that's coming up at the oh, end of the sentence. Oh, great. I soon, and soon lay beside Agatha in nothing but a sh short short? So this is not like go-go shorts? <laughs> a short short. No, it's, this is, uh, I meant to, I meant to type shift. Ah. So she's in a shift. Okay. How is she in a shift under breeches? That's why it's short. Uh, okay. And it's a it's a it's hose, not breeches. I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia figuring out the difference. All right. Anyway, after a long minute, Artemisia gave Agatha a gentle nudge with her elbow. You've given me a great deal of pleasure from your looks and demeanor, but won't you bring me much more by lying? But you won't bring me much more by lying next to me like that. Is this your first time? Agatha propped herself on an elbow and looked her companion in the eye, not daring to venture lower with her gaze. Without breaking eye contact, Artemisia grabbed Agatha's free hand and brought it to the thin fabric covering her belly. Agatha let her hand travel where Artemisia guided it, moving slowly and lingering in unexpected places. A gentle brush up the forearm, a sizzling pressure just below the collarbone. When Artemisia eventually let go of Agatha's hand, Agatha found herself moving on her own, noting Artemisia's responses to location, pressure, and speed. Half an hour later, Artemisia lay completely nude and quivering, begging Agatha to stop so she could rest a bit. Pride surged alongside Agatha's arousal. She'd had little to do but pleasure herself. She'd had... Oh. 
She'd had little to do but pleasure herself during her ignominious trip from Suriname to the Old World, and her experience with herself must have been transferable. Artemisia gave Agatha another nudge. If you're going to make me scream like that, I might as well know your name. <clears throat> oh, I'm called Pierre. Pierre de Hoc. De Hoc? It's a pleasure to meet you. Well, Pierre, is that right? I think it's just Peter. I just did the Dutch spelling of he, the, the guys, name Peter. People, I, I, again, Dutch pronunciation might be different, but when <sighs> I've heard people pronounce that name, it's just like Peter. He's just trying to make me work for this, you guys. Well, Peter, is there anything you'd like from me? You look rather warm in all those clothes. And from the way you're breathing, it seems to me that you would enjoy yourself more if you take them off. Agatha improvised. <clears throat> I decided that today is about feeling soft skin under my fingers. I've been very lonely, and this makes me feel less alone. Artemisia stroked Agatha's cheek. I hope you're also interested in soft skin under your mouth, but I won't complain. Do you mind if I mention to some of your to mention you to some of my colleagues? I don't want to drain your purse just to touch us, but I suspect that you'll prove highly popular. You're in line for some extremely steep discounts. I'm I'm flattered, truly. Do you talk much about clients amongst yourselves? I won't tell you this unless I liked you, but yes, we compare notes to help each other share pleasure and more importantly, avoid danger. Most of our discussions are much less glowing than what I plan to share about you. It wasn't much of an opening, but Agatha took it. Do you know a customer named Anthony? Tall man, straight teeth. I'm looking to make his acquaintance. Oh, you mean Henry's old protege. He's a bit of a mascot around here. He seems popular, but if he ever pays for pleasure here, I wouldn't know. You see, I'm a bit of a specialist. Artemisia raised her eyebrows suggestively. Agatha's heart dropped. A specialist? Do you specialize in the more inexperienced men? After what we just did, we can drop the pretense, said Artemisia. I specialize in serving the women who seek refu refuge in this establishment. Most of us are flexible, but I never work with the men who make, most, make up most of our clientele. Agatha lowered her eyes in defeat. When did you know? As soon as Maisie summoned me, which means that Stella saw through you immediately as well. Most of our female clientele consists of frustrated wives or spinsters from the upper classes, and they arrive in disguise in order to navigate the docklands without attracting undue attention. I gather that some of them dress as men as part of their broader social lives, but opportunities to do so don't present themselves often. I don't know why you look surprised. While your hands aren't the softest I've touched since entering this business, I can tell that you've never spent time working with rope. More's the pity. And in case you're wondering, we wouldn't survive in this delicate sideline if we didn't exercise the purest discretion. Agatha sighed. I suppose it's okay that you know, but I need to pose as a man in some very important situations in the coming weeks. For reasons that you intend to keep to yourself, I presume. Your insight hasn't failed you. I think we can help each other, said Artemisia. There's nothing my colleagues and I don't know about men. And we could help you much... Oh, we could help you grow much more convincing. It sounded too good to be true. I'm touched, Artemisia, but what can I provide in return for assistance? Agatha, you're as sweet as quince pie. Quince pie? What's quince pie? 
You know, I just like intuitively wanted to say quince pie as the thing that was sweet. And it turns out it was a very popular dish at the time. Like mm. quinces were were like a bigger deal in 17th century England than they seem to be now. Okay, but like what is a quince? It's a fruit. Oh, are you sure? I've had quince jam. I've never actually like been in the vicinity of a non-boiled and rendered quince, but I'm quite confident they exist. I mean, I believe you, but I've never heard of that. Anyway. You just have to share your talents with a few more of us. We can make sure that your voice, gait, and swearing would put any similarly seized soldier to shame. Stay here. Similarly sized. Oh, geez. <laughs> Oof. We can make sure that your voice, gait, and swearing would put any similarly sized sailor to shame. Stay here, and I'll start my consultations. Over the next day and a half, Agatha experienced an array of size, moans, textures, and taste that she had never imagined would occur in her previously constrained and decorative existence. Between bouts in a variety of sturdy beds, she practiced a swaggering rock and a pan panoply? Panoply, yeah. Panoply of Dutch-accented oaths. She asked each of her partners about Anthony, and while several expressed an interest in the strapping young rogue, it soon became clear that Anthony never used Stella's house for its main purpose. She heard about his esteemed, if somewhat disreputable, mentor and the tragedy that had befallen Stella, but nobody knew what he was planning while he cooled his heels among them. At the end of Agatha's second day among her appreciative instructors, she heard a mighty clatter. Margaret somehow remained asleep beside her. Agatha decided this might be a good chance for Peter Dehauk to make another attempt at a public debut. She donned her clothes as fast as she could and dashed out the door, straight into the side of the mysterious Anthony. He hit the far the he hit the far wall of the corridor, but Agatha bounced off the doorframe she'd just exited and crumpled to the ground. Anthony stopped, shrugged his broad shoulders, and held a hand out. Are you fit? Are you fight, lad? Are you fight? <laughs> are you fight? <laughs> are you? Can you fight? Are we human or are we dancer? Oh my lanta, yeah. you guys! I'm having such a hard time reading. <sighs> are you? Can you fight, lad? <clears throat> yes, sir. Agatha said. Why? A kindly older crewman on Agatha's last voyage had taught her a few tricks to defend herself from the more savage sailors that she'd encountered on her unchaperoned trip. The savages stayed away after learning that she'd been taken under the older man's wing, but she still practiced studiously during her voyage. She suspected that she'd have to fight in earnest before returning to Paramaribo. Paramaribo? Paramaribo? Probably. Every time. Last time I said it wrong, too. So she might as well start now. Trouble, said Anthony. Let's go. Agatha followed the man down the corridor and saw the source of the commotion when they reached the lobby. A large bearded man stood in the middle of the room, surrounded by overturned chairs. He heaved a barrel chest in exhaustion, his muscled arms dragging up and down a mightily proportioned belly. He wore a white undershirt stained by grease and sweat. Stella stood in front of him, wielding a cane sword, but he didn't look particularly concerned. This is your last warning, Jack, Stella shouted. You're not welcome here after last time, and I'll make sure that my sisters running other houses also eject you on sight. Jack merely grunted and stomped. Anthony strode into the room and took up a fighting stance next to Stella. Jack took a second to respond, his reflexes obviously dulled by alcohol, and then sized up the younger and lighter man. 
Agatha moved along the wall in the other direction until she was behind the behemoth. Jack leapt, sorry, leaped forward with surprising quickness and grabbed Stella's right wrist. The thin blade clattered to the floor. He shrugged off a punch that jacked aim at his solar plexus. Anthony did? Oh, oh, yes, that Anthony aimed at his solar plexus. Anthony, Jack? No, no, Jack shrugged off Anthony's punch. That Anthony had maimed at his solar plexus and began to twist Stella's wrist upward and outward. Okay, try not to edit whilst I'm reading, darling, because it moves the whole line down. Yeah, this is, uh, (laughs) this is this. We have, like, a special reading challenge every week. Sometimes the text is just going to, like, revolve around. around. What are you doing? Yeah, sometimes it'll, like, change color, like, just sort of, like, toggle through the colors of the rainbow. We're just going to have to deal with it. At the same time that Anthony's second punch landed on his face, Agatha smashed a chair over the back of Jack's head. The man blinked once, staggered, and finally fell sideways, already unconscious. Stella took some time to recover her breath and thanked Agatha and Anthony profusely. She said to Anthony in a stage whisper, I see you've met young Peter and just in time. He showed promise when he arrived, but as you can see, our girls have truly made a man out of him now. (laughs) In a louder voice, she said, Would you gentlemen mind carrying this lout downstairs and tossing him into the street? The sewage ditch should do nicely, unless there's a convenient carriage approaching at high speed. Agatha held up the man's feet as Anthony backed down the stairs, holding the unconscious man's shoulders. Luckily for Agatha, the relatively slender Anthony managed to support enough of the man's weight that she made it down the stairs without collapsing. Once they deposited him in a suitably futed destination, Anthony held out a hand. So you're Peter? My name's Anthony. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Wow, that's such a cliffhanger. Well, you left a cliffhanger for me last week. Also, before we move on, I'd like to just say a suitably fetid destination. What did I say? You said futid. Oh, what is fetid? Uh, I mean, I assume it's like gross, but like... It's basically just means gross. Okay. I think. All right. Sort of, I get like a wet and foul smelling sense from that word, but I couldn't define it off the top of my head. Well, I mean, that was the idea. It was, huh? Ooh. Oh, what a wonderful review Yawn. you just gave of my chapter. ASMR. <laughs> I'm so sorry, dear listeners. It's a little late now, and I'm tired. But that does that has nothing to do with the chapter. It was interesting. No. You're coming in hot with the romance, quote unquote. Well, yeah, I was thinking, like, I've read so many romance novels where... The hero is like a total sexual libertine at the beginning and then like That's true actually. totally calms down and it's like It's almost the... always the dude who's like, I'm just gonna go do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. But then like he like claps eyes on the heroine and falls in love and immediately starts like running away and jumping fences whenever women make passes at him as yeah and it's just like crawls under rocks or whatever yeah yeah so i thought that it'd be interesting if the heroine like started out as uh albeit a rather inexperienced like just total libertine not anymore she just had like a solid 36 hours of no how many hours 24 in a day and a half yeah it was something like that i was trying to like figure out from your chapters exactly how much time anthony spent drunk and then in the cafe and stuff but i feel like 
I feel like it's about like a day and like three quarters or something. But yeah, well, maybe we can, he can be the virgin and she can be like the. <laughs> well, he's definitely not a virgin based oh, on the last right. chapter, but he that. might be a little bit more traditional than her. Maybe it's yeah. what it's the impression I, mean, I got from the last chapter. But she's yeah, pretty untraditional. He's not a dick about it, which you know, well, obviously he might be. So. Well, I mean, that's an, that's entirely up to you. I certainly <laughs> hope for the sake of her being attracted to him that he's a very modern person, the same um, way that I gave people some possibly somewhat modern attitudes and didn't really worry about uh, what people actually were thinking in the 17th yeah, century. Yeah, you did do that also. But then again, you know, the history, the way history was written doesn't really capture like the innermost thoughts and feelings of the people I'm writing about. So, hey, who knows? Well, also, you know, I'm sure to a certain extent that there was some of that going on. I mean, there had to have been. I think there was plenty of that going on. Um, that's my that's my story. And um, yeah, I just figured I, I really wanted to give her like a fun um, training montage. Like when, right. once we get like a huge movie deal out of this, right. it's going to be the best montage sequence. Well, she could also like sample all the men on board. Wouldn't that give him a... Uh... <laughs> uh, he would just freak out she's just like having sex rep left that would center. actually work with what sort of my plan for this which is <laughs> i want anthony to be the absolute last person on the planet to <laughs> to not know that she's a woman that's fair that's totally fine i mean but he's not gonna be he probably won't be too much of a cad because that's not fun for me to write um but he'll probably just be like sort of a dipshit just like in his own like wrapped up in his own head which is you know not unlike some people i've known they just like can't see the cart or just can't see the forest for the trees like he's just so bogged down by whatever that he just can't well yeah like it seems like the two species of romance heroes if i want to dramatically oversimplify are like the like super knowing and somewhat condescending about how perceptive he is like alpha dude or the like adorably clueless guy and yeah it might he's be... probably gonna be the adorably clueless guy that that's like, my he, he's bias. gonna be like super good at, at like you know manning a ship or whatever but have like super bad interpersonal relationship sort of understanding I'm glad we're on the same page here. Guess, and because... as we can see, Agatha is a bit of an interpersonal virtuoso. So, ah. Which will be difficult for me to write, but uh, I'll, I'll see what happens. Uh, yes. <laughs> will it? <laughs> what are you trying to say right now? I'm trying to say that it'll be difficult to see, to write somebody who's like, just discovering how amazing she is at dealing with a variety of people calmly and confidently when i've already been there for such a long time <laughs> okay so um do you have any thoughts about where you're going with the next chapter any sneak previews for what to expect from anthony or should our listeners just tune in again next week to be honest not really I feel like Jack should come back and, like, be a member of their crew for whatever reason. Like, maybe he's the explosives. You know how, like, in every movie there's, like, the person who's, like, the hacker. And then there's, like, the bomb guy. And then there's, like, the pure, you know, like, Ocean's Eleven or whatever. Like, you need one for each thing. So this is, yeah, this is he's Ocean's Ocean. He's, like, the bomb ocean. guy. Yeah, Ocean's Ocean. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. It would be kind of funny if he was like, no hard feelings, mates. I would have done it to me too or whatever. But, mm. you know, he seems just the sort that would be an addition to Anthony's crew that's gonna well yeah you need a loose cannon right like i need him you know i need a muscle guy i probably do need like an explosive guy right because they had do they have cannons i assume oh they have to do absolutely had cannons Cannons are the thing i don't know if they'll be able to fit very many on the well yeah they're on like a little six person ship and also they're not gonna like be I mean, maybe they're going to, they can't, like, bring C4 to, like, sneak around France and, like, blow <laughs> locks or they whatever. they probably would have, like, muskets. So, like, you know. Oh, absolutely. And also, we'll just need, like, a, mu- you need, like, a muscle. A guy who's just muscle. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. I've provided us a muscle. I've, I'm I think just kidding. That, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and Peter Hauk is absolutely getting hired onto the crew by someone right, who thinks right. he's a young, up-and-coming, tiny Dutch sailor. Uh-huh. Tiny. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how tiny Agatha is, I mean, but I'm thinking like no more than five be... seven. Like, yeah, but five seven is extremely <laughs> Actually, tall. Actually, by that time, by that yeah. period, it's tall. So she's probably, if we want to go like period heights or whatever, she's probably five five, but like yeah, or five six, but like he's probably only like five ten or something. I mean, you know, like if you're yeah. talking about pure average heights or and, whatever you know she probably doesn't have much like upper body bulk that we're talking no about. i mean like she spent her time lazing around in a colony and then you know making chocolate in the king's kitchen so it's not like she's been pumping iron yeah i need to figure out how to keep this chocolate thing going as well but uh <laughs> i really like the fact that there's a chocolate kitchen in hampton court at this time period but um yeah, I think that I think that that about does it. We have, we're we're ready for the rounding up. The uh, we're ready for uh, Anthony Danny Ocean last name <laughs> to uh, put his crew together, and we'll talk to you next time for chapter five um, of Romantic Underpinnings. You know, follow our stuff. We have Facebooks and not a Facebook. I'm sorry. We have an Instagram. And a website and a Twitter and, you know, like and subscribe. Smash those like and subscribe buttons. Smash them. (laughs) All right. Uh, Bye, everyone.